0: So we all know how we do this. We pick, we pick every single game. We preview the games. We talk about the games, what we expect to see. I give you my five picks, all that fun stuff. So let's go ahead and go down the list, man. So Broncos, Jets for last night. I actually did watch a little bit of the game, to be honest. Um, I, It's one of those deals with the Jets. I think Sam Darnold's really good. And by really good, I mean like better than an 0-4 shit quarterback. Sam is really the only thing the Jets have going where it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, th- this could work. And I would love to see what would happen if he played on a different team. I would love to see what happened happen if he played on Denver. I would love to see what happened if he played with good wide receivers. If he just had Jerry Judy. I mean, if he just had anything, I think Darnold could be fine. I don't think Darnold is like a top 10 guy. I don't think Darnold is a, you know, I don't think his ceiling is that high. But I think he's serviceable for sure. And I hate uh, he plays hard. He had some really good plays last night, some really good throws last night, and it, it's just impossible to be in the Jets system and do literally anything. So it is what it is. I think uh, Brett Ripon started off really well. Uh, he threw three interceptions. Th- this is one of those things where I would I will tell you to I will tell you to fade Denver moving forward because teams don't win by nine when having three turnovers like that. So this score is a bit of a statistical kind of facade where next week they may be they may be getting a few points just because people see this score because they see Rippin but in reality should have been a lot closer but it's the Fukuoka Jets so you know how it is. So that's something I would say there. Uh is Ripien the starter moving forward? I don't know. He looked about as good as as Locke in my opinion. Uh, I still think I would love to see what would happen if Sam Darnold got got moved off of the uh, Jets. The Jets are a total dumpster fire. I mean, I think everyone should be fired. I think Gay should be fired. Greg Williams should be fired. Just get everyone off the field. Uh, moving to chat here. Of course, guys, on the football show, chat is read and involved the entire time. I love how people were hyping up the Gage Fangio beef at the end. Like, anyone gave a fuke? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, what do, you, what do you want me to do? I mean, both these coaches probably should be fired. <laughs> like, both these coaches probably shouldn't be coaching. They're, they're mad at the end of the game. Who cares? You know, it's like... uh I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like the king of nothing. You know, if you're the king of nothing, if you're the king of your own island, like, who really cares, you know? All right, let's move on to the games, yo. Let's pre... Oh, the first one, Stafford and the Lions versus Drew Brees and the Saints. So this line... Let's take a look at this line. The line opened up at four. It is stuck to four. Uh, minus four for New Orleans. Over-under, open at 56. It's moved to 54. I don't know, man. I mean... It's hard for me as a Saints fan to remove my biasy, but it's hard to be like, Yeah, man, I'll take the Saints on the road minus four. That doesn't seem right. I mean, that doesn't seem well it it seems right, I get What well, it really doesn't. I mean, this means like if the Saints were at home, you're talking about the Saints being like a touchdown, a little over a touchdown favorite. That's a whole lot. I don't think Detroit is that bad. Uh I think this is a must win game for both teams. This is this is this is where it becomes interesting. This is a game where As far as I'm concerned, the Saints' season's on the line. If the Saints lose this game, we're right back to where we were before the Packers game, where we're having real conversations about if this team is even a 10-win team, if this team is even a 9-win team. If we go 1-3 and we drop a game at Detroit, all of a sudden, all this talk about, well, we're probably a division favorite. Well, we'll probably just be a playoff team and then we'll lose in the first or second round. Not a big deal. All that talk goes out the window. If we go into Detroit lose this game to a Lions team that's struggling, a Lions team that is not great, then that's really, really bad for the Saints. On the flip side, if the Lions continue to skid, you could see Matt Patricia out of Detroit before the midway part of the season. So both of these teams have to win. The thing with New Orleans that we need to watch for in this game is the defense. We need to watch for, is this defense as bad as we think this defense is? Is this defense the defense that's giving up 30 points a game, or are they not? If you look at things like DVOA, if you look at advanced stat, advanced stats and statistics, the defense isn't that bad, but they're giving up 30 points a game. Now, we know they're giving up 100 yards of penalties a game. That doesn't help anything. A lot of that is extended drives. A lot of that forces or uh, allows the Saints to not get off the field on third downs and, and allows their opposing teams to get points. We saw that stat earlier in the week where the last like 17 drives, I think only three times the other team didn't get points and a couple of those were because of the end of the half or like a fumble. So, that's what I'm looking for in this game. As far as the Saints offense, I think Michael Thomas is practicing. So, Michael Thomas should be should be playing. He's, he's on the right side of playing. Will he play? Will he be 100%? He probably won't be 100%, but he probably will play. Uh, I mean, I I'm expecting the Saints to go out there and Perform better than they were. I'll give you another Vegas inside look here. So the Saints currently are at, I believe, nine and a half over under for the rest of the season at DraftKings. Now I'm not saying that's a correct number, but that goes to show you what these sports books think about the Saints. If DraftKings is saying that the rest of the way the Saints are not are, are over under nine and a half, that means they expect the Saints to be really really good, and we certainly have not seen the Saints be. Really, really good. So this is still a team where we're trying to figure out what side, where is the mean? Where is the average for this team? Is this team closer to the preseason expectations? Are they closer to the current expectations? Are they closer to the expectations of a team that got drilled in in Vegas? I'm not sure. I think we're closer to the division champions removal or uh, getting eliminated in the first round. I think we're closer to that. So if we are closer to that, we've got to win this game. As far as like what the teams are gonna try and do, I think the Saints are gonna try and keep doing what they did to success against Green Bay, which was stretch the field out a little bit more, let Breeze make good decisions, let Breeze uh, you know, kind of get after those eight to twelve yard passes, and Alvin Kamara handle the, the, the bulk of the offense. I'm sure Michael Thomas will want to get involved a little bit. But if he's not 100%, I wouldn't expect 12 receptions for 130 yards. Something that's interesting is right now, if you look at QBR, Drew Brees is sitting at like six. And we've talked about how bad Drew Brees has been or how bad he's looked. But even through how bad he's looked, how bad he's been at times, and he's without his number one wide receiver, probably the best wide receiver in the NFL, the fact that he's still the sixth best quarterback as far as QBR goes says something. So... I think for the first week of the season, unless Drew Brees goes out there and shits all over his shoes, for the first week of the for the first time this season, I think the focus will be off of Drew Brees, and that's 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 positive. That's good. That's what I think the Saints fan base needs to focus on. Is not can Drew Brees throw the ball six yards? Is Drew Brees have a noodle arm? I think the focus needs to be: can this team? Can the defense hold up? Can this team? Stop the opponent from scoring thirty plus points and give Drew Brees a chance to win the game. So that's what I'm looking for here. We know that on the road the Saints struggle just generally, and you know it's never an easy situation to to deal with, especially after playing, uh, you know, playing the Packers. So especially after Sunday night football, where you're playing a big game, you're 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 playing, you know, a huge spot. You drop it, you're probably disappointed. And then you have to turn around and travel and go to Detroit, you know, so not a great spot. Uh, I think the motivational edge is even, I don't think this is a down spot or a bad spot for either team. And we'll see moving forward. We'll see some bad spots uh, moving forward, but I expect the Saints to win this game. As far as the line, man, four is just so ugly. If I had a dollar for every time I took a, a number like that, you know, minus four, minus three and a half, I wouldn't have very many dollars. Uh, On the flip side, it's hard to take Detroit, you know. But I think if I probably had to, I'd probably take Detroit. I'd probably just take plus four and go from there. I don't really have too much on the total here. The total looks sexy because if you look at the Saints games, they're all way over this total because of how bad their defense has been. So do I expect the Lions to go up and put 31 points up? I'm not sure about that. One thing you will notice with Detroit this week, is that I believe that they're going to move away from DeAndre Swift and play Carryon Johnson more, and that'll be interesting to see as well. Because I think their offense clicks way better um, with Carryon Johnson. So if their offense clicks like it did against Arizona, you know this could be this could be a bit of a better Lions team than we've seen as well. So uh, my my pick here is probably with the Lions. I don't like it. I will not play it. I will not have a ticket on it. So this will not be one of my top fives. But we do pick every single game. Move on. Colts Bears. So this is a really interesting trend and something that you'll hear, you probably won't hear much of, but the Bears are 3-0. and They're at home. They're dogs. This has only happened three times. This is the third time in the last 30 years of the NFL that a 3-0 and team is a dog at home. The opening line is a pick and it's moved to Indy minus 2.5, over, under, open at 45, it's moved to 43. Now here's the deal with the Bears. They're 3 and 0. I think everyone agrees they shouldn't be 3 and 0. They had two comeback wins, one orchestrated by Mitchell Trubisky, one orchestrated by Nick Foles. Those two wins is are, I think everyone generally thinks are fake, right? I think everyone generally believes that those were false wins. But they did happen. So you have to ask yourself this question. Let's say that they're false wins, okay? If they're false wins, what does that tell you about the Bears? Does that tell you that they play hard no matter what? Does that tell you that their locker room communication or locker room team bonding or whatever is pretty high? Because when they're down that much, irregardless of how good they are, irregardless of if they're built to come back, they they still fight? I mean, that's a positive in my opinion. What does it say about their offense? Does it say that their offense is I mean, if you're, if you're betting on teams, you want their offense to be good enough to come from behind. You know, we, we laud the Chiefs for their ability to come from behind. But it seems like with this situation with the Bears, people are just completely dismissing it. So I'm not sure what those two wins say for the Bears, but I know that they're not a great 3-0 and team. Are they the worst 3-0 and team in NFL history? I don't know about that. Now let's talk about the quarterback change. Nick Falls was, was declared as a starting quarterback. What does that mean? does it mean anything. I'm not sure. I don't know if it is, because like I said, they, they've if if Foles would have orchestrated this comeback and Trubisky would have not orchestrated a comeback this year, I may sit here and say this is really good for Foles because this team believes that Foles that, that Foles can do it, right? But Trubisky already did this. So I don't think there's any bump, any true bump here. Uh any any true bump here at all for that. I I don't think that's the case. I don't think that you can look at this and say Oh well, the Bears must be super excited because they just had this insane comeback. No one said that after Trubisky did his insane comeback. So I think that's kind of a wash as well. I do think Foles is better. I do think the team is probably better with Foles, and they may open up a bit more offensively with Foles because Trubisky is so limited. And we all we've talked about how Matt Nagy has to has to script plays for the first whatever ten, you know, uh, quarter and a half or whatever it is. So. The offense may be a bit bit more expanded there. Now let's look at the Colts. The Colts are low-key really good. The, the, the Colts' defense is low-key really good. They lost to the Jaguars, which is kind of weird. Statistically dominated them, lost to them. If that wouldn't have happened, you're looking at them being 3-0. I think the line where it sits is pushing me away from this game. Because let's say it's in Indianapolis. Are Indianapolis, are they 6.5 to 7 points better than the Bears at home? Would you take that? Would you take Indianapolis minus 6 or minus 7 at home? I don't think I would. I don't think I would. So, If you're going to bet this game, I certainly would tell you to wait until the line moves towards 3, and then I would take Chicago at 3. If it's sitting at 2.5, I'd probably just take Indy. I'd probably take Indy at 2.5 because... But like like I said earlier with the trend, you know is this one of those deals where there's such a dramatic difference in the two teams that it's it's the the delta between them is only happens three every thirty years I, I don't know if that's that's the biggest like I don't know if that difference is correct okay, and then it's also in Chicago so let's talk about the weather so you've got an outside or an indoor team playing outside you have the Colts who play in a dome you have it's supposed to be mid 50s super windy, so you have a team that with Philip Rivers a weak armed quarterback who relies on uh, you know tempo and relies on timing and stuff like that how will that be messed up with kind of rainy disgusting Chicago weather 15 mile hour winds so I kind of like the under here and the under obviously fits more towards the Bears if they keep this close if this is a gross game if this is somewhere in there you think that at home with Nick Foles, the Bears may be able to get after him. So I think the fact that the Bears are playing, or the fact that the Colts are playing outside, the fact that the Colts have a good defense, the fact that all that stuff is lining up. If I'm playing this game and playing the under, I'm not I'm not taking the side. Even though I will give you a side bet, two and. What, so we're sitting at two and a half? Yeah, so we're sitting at two and a half across the board. I would take Andy at two and a half, but I certainly wouldn't feel good about it. I would play the under though. I probably will have a ticket on the under. Uh, between me you and me you and the camera Uh, we've lost a little bit of value on the under only two points nothing crazy next game jags Bengals. between me you and the camera i have a play on this this will be one of my five picks i have a ticket a pretty substantial ticket no big deal kind of big deal on the jaguars here so the line is it opened at three and it's sitting at three across the board no movement there open at 48 uh the total is now at 49 by the way that's cincinnati minus three Now, here's the deal with Cincy. Cincinnati is getting a lot of love for being 0-2-1, and that's because of Joe Burrow. That's because we all keep talking about how great Joe Burrow's been. We all keep lauding uh, the job that Joe Burrow's done. But if we look at the actual statistics, and this is where you really start to figure out a lot about the actual, uh, actual, what, what these teams are actually doing. I think we would all agree the narrative has been very positive with Joe Burrow, right? The Bengals are last in the league in yards per play. They're averaging like four yards a play. That is dramatically bad. That is terrible as far as the rest of the NFL is concerned. So, so it's, it's one of those deals where the stats are not backing up the narrative. I think we can all agree that Joe Burrow has been good. But the offense is not good. Bottom line. The offense is not good. And and I it does not pass the eye test. Okay. I'm giving you an actual to statistical situation where has Joe Burr been good? Yes. Statistically, worst offense in the league. Statistically, worst yards per play in the league. So what does that mean for us? That means that we can get after this game because of a false narrative. Cincinnati, the worst offense in the league. Cincinnati, one of the five worst defenses in the league, is giving up points. Okay? That's bad. That ain't good. That ain't what you want. If Cincinnati was catching three, okay, right? Understandable. Sure. But the fact that they're giving up points with those numbers, with that fact, as far as their defense and their offense, not good for them at all. I've made a big play on Jacksonville, and I'm going to tell you to take Jacksonville. Another thing that that we need to talk about is Joe Mixon. Okay, Joe Mixon's averaging about three yards a carry. The Bengals' offensive line is absolutely shit, absolutely terrible. There's not it's not an NFL offensive line, All right? Jacksonville has one of the best def, one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. We call this a matchup nightmare. So their defensive line. Their defensive line is going to dominate the Bengals' offensive line. All right? So we have the worst offense in the NFL who will not be able to run the football whatsoever. And we have the Jaguars who are playing pretty well. The Jaguars went and played uh, uh, Indianapolis, one of the best defenses in the NFL, beat them on the road. The Bengals are obviously nowhere in that conversation. And Jacksonville somehow is the dog. I'm not sure if I get this. I'm not sure if I get this line at all. I think this line is a false narrative. And for all of those reasons, I'm taking Jacksonville. Here is uh, here is chat. Cincinnati is one of three teams to win against the spread every game this season. Yep, and I think that that's pushing the narrative. And I think that that's why we can get after the narrative here. I think we win this game straight up. That's what Vegas believes as well. Vegas believes that Cincinnati will win this game straight up. Did you watch Thursday night, the Jags game? Yeah. And I also love that too. I love that the Jags just came off of a loss. I love that the Jags just lost to Miami. This is one of those bets where if you're looking at the two teams and you tell people you're going to take Jacksonville, a lot of people are going to be like, they're going to tell you things like that. They're going to tell you things like, didn't they just lose to Miami? But what about Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's been really good. Joe Burrow this, Joe Burrow that. All of that is exactly what I want to bet against. If you're going to a sports bar and there's 20 people in the sports bar and you survey those 20 people, whatever they tell you is probably what Vegas is counting on people to bet on that, that square Joe public, you know, ESPN first take, whatever though, that kind of mindset is what we have to try and get after that. That's just it. That's just how it goes. And is that always correct? No, that's not always correct. But that is why there's uh 40-story casinos in Vegas, and that's why people don't make money betting because you know just like the, um, ESPN, I want to say last week against the spread, ESPN was 0 and nine with their televised picks Thursday night and Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night. Uh, here we go in chat. I'm telling you, since he wins this game, they might, they might, they certainly might. I mean, look, like. Let me explain this too. And you know, we do talk a lot of betting here and we do talk a lot about a lot of meta betting, but the difference between a professional better and a losing better is about 1%. If, you, if you're winning 54% of your bets, 54, then you're a quote unquote profitable better and basically a professional better where you can actually make money in the long run if you're sitting like 54%, okay? The difference between 54% and 52% is not that much at all, right? But one is winning and one is losing. So even though we may say, look, here's what the numbers say. Here's what the value is. Here's the obvious reasoning. This all makes sense. If you do all of that work and you have all of that in your corner, you're still looking at like a, a very, 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 very small edge, you know? So if the Bengals go out there and win this game straight up, would I be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked. But all of the but all of the numbers, they tell me to take Jacksonville. So that's why I'm taking Jacksonville. This is one of my favorite plays of the week. Uh, like I said, I already have a ticket on this. I'm, I'm Minshew mania. Let's 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 see what we can do. So we'll see how it goes. Back to chat here. Yeah, I get the argument. It all makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's all you can do. That's all you can do with this is try and look at the numbers, try and look at the matchups, and go from there. I don't like backing teams with really bad offensive lines to begin with because that makes playing in the NFL so much harder. And then when you marry that with a team that has a distinct matchup edge like the Jags do with a rush defense, and then you marry that with the Bengals having a awful defense, all of a sudden it's like, what am I betting on? What am I actually betting on? And then people would say, well, Joe Burrow. And then you respond with, well, All Joe Burrow has done in three games is orchestrate the worst offense in the NFL, right? So now what are you betting on? If you're betting on Cincinnati, what are you betting on to give another team three points? To give a team points and say, we're so much better than you, we're going to give you points. We're so confident that we are going to win, we're giving you points. So now the Bengals don't just have to win, the Bengals have to win with separation. The Bengals have to win and win by a field goal, or more than a field goal to win you money, right? So it's a weird number to me, and I, I, I love it. The next game. Browns-Cowboys, interesting game here. Dallas, minus four and a half at home. I believe that's the current line. Yeah, it opened at four, moved to four and a half at Dallas. Over-under, opened at 54, moved to 56. I I tend to back Dallas because Dallas is one of those teams that I think is good, but just loses. You know, so the stats are always in your favor with Dallas. You always seem to find value in Dallas, especially off of losses. But I don't have a ticket on this game. I probably won't have a ticket on this game. I don't like this game. And here's why. I think Dallas's schedule has been unbelievably hard. You think about what Dallas has done. Dallas goes to Seattle or excuse me, goes to the Rams, plays the Rams, plays them down to the minute. The game, the game went, you know, down to the wire. Then they go and play in Seattle and, uh, you know, lose there. or they, or they play Atlanta and it goes down to the wire, right? It goes down to a final onside kick. I mean, a stressful game. Then they go to Seattle, comes down to the wire. So they've played three games, two of which were on the West Coast. And all three games were maximum effort, one hundred percent effort games. Dallas is probably exhausted, so that's why I'm kind of worried about backing Dallas here to get separation. so that's why I'm kind of leaning off of this. Um, as far as Cleveland goes, Cleveland's one of those teams, man, where I'm never backing them because I think they're I think the public likes them just because of Baker Mayfield and Beckham Jr., stuff like that. I'm never jumping on Cleveland. I'm never jumping on that train. Dallas still has to explain some things defensively. They still have to prove that they can stop teams. They have to prove that, they, that every team will just light them up through the air. Uh, so I'm staying away from this game. I think Dallas wins this game. I think, is a, I think Dallas is a better team. My only question is their energy levels have to be pretty depleted. I mean, they, they have to be hurt. Now, with that being said, Dallas has to be max motivated here. You know, Dallas has to be max motivated where... Their backs against the wall, McCarthy's backs against the wall, Dax playing for contracts. So Dallas probably has the motivation edge, whereas Cleveland just came off of a big win. You know, Cleveland's feeling good. They're 2-1, first time over five hundred in the last like 14 years or something, uh, 14 seasons. So Cleveland's probably feeling pretty pretty fat on the hog, right? Whereas Dallas is, is backs against the wall. If you're going to back a team that's backs against the wall, that's the way to do it, especially if you're backing that team at home. Now, it seems like that's kind of factored into the line. I mean, four and a half is a pretty, pretty substantial number. So, ugly number. I'm staying away from that. If I had to, gun to my head, uh, I'd be taking the Cowboys. Don't be scared of looking to burrow. Props, too. Jax's 32 DVOA pasty could lead into another 37-61 to type game for Joey B. Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think if you're looking at Cincinnati... I think that they're one of those teams where you almost just blindly take Burrows overs because it's win-win, right? How is Cincinnati going to win games? Joe Burrow. They ain't winning games with Joe Mixon. And then best case scenario is the Bengals getting their ass kicked, which they probably will be getting their ass kicked most of the season. And then they're just going to, have to throw the ball 60 times a game. So I think that the Joe Burrow props is something you look at almost every single week and just blindly say, this is it. You know, because – they they do not have a running game they do not have the ability to run the football and i think they know that so if they're saying hey man whatever 60 times a game here it comes let's do it i, I think that's uh i think cincinnati's basically written that into stone that that's how that's their mindset for this season next game seahawks and dolphins man these games right here man these games get way into my head these are the kind of games that it's better if I just don't look at these games because what's going to happen is let's look at, let's look at the line. So we have Seattle open at six and a half, staying at six and a half at six at DraftKings, six, basically six and a half across the board. Uh, the total's 54, staying at 54. Now this, this, these games right here, when I've got a West coast team traveling, I mean, Seattle might as well be traveling to Mars. You you go from Seattle to Miami, uh, I mean, you know, this is like some Lewis and Clark stuff. You play the Oregon Trail, you got to play the Oregon Trail like three or four times, three or four time campaign playthroughs to do this. And then they're playing it at the early slate. This is one of those deals where I'm not taking Seattle. You know, like I, I'm not taking Seattle. So then my question is, can I take Miami? Can I possibly take Miami? And the answer there is probably not. So, I would stay away from this game just because of uh you know just cuz of how I guess how um, how I look at, at situations like this.
1: It,
0: if I had to gun to my head and I try and give a lean or whatever for every one of these games, I would probably lean Miami. Uh, more than likely this game's going to move, I would think. I would think it moves closer to 7. So I'd I'd wait. And then right before kickoff, if I could scoop up a seven, I would. I'm um, over under. I'd probably lean toward the, towards the under, just because the idea that you know it's ninety degrees in Miami, it's probably going to be hu- humidity out of control. Seahawks will be exhausted. If the Seahawks aren't scoring that much, then Miami ain't scoring that much. Seattle to Miami ain't that bad. But well, it can't be any it can't be any worse. If, if Seattle to Miami ain't that bad, then you know. I could play an NFL game straight out of the terminal. I don't know, man. That's tough. I mean, I know like just traveling for work. Just traveling for work without playing an NFL game, you can be off your you can be off of your mojo. I'm talking one time zone. You know, just being one time zone off, you, you can be kind of weird. This many time zones, I mean I mean this kind of travel brutal. Absolutely brutal. So, I'm I'm staying far away from this and it's 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 weird because in my head you know i've told y'all i think seattle is the second best team in the nfl i think seattle is the true threat to kansas city as far as you know super bowl seattle's dope and seattle has russell wilson is playing the best he's ever played seattle's best offense they've ever given russell wilson so i'm way high on seattle so i'm not one of the guys who wants to to bet against russell wilson I don't like to bet against Russell Wilson. I don't like to bet against Seattle, especially right now. Where I'm so high on them. But because of the travel, because of all that, because of the fatigue, I, I have to pass on on my beloved Seahawks here. Next up, Chargers-Bucks. So according to Jenna Lane, uh, Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin are officially out for Sunday against the Chargers. And Bruce Arians said they're waiting to see on Scotty Miller. Between me, you, and the camera, if Scotty Miller walked in here and stole my shoes, I wouldn't know who Scotty Miller was. So that last sentence, I just read it. Might as well have been in hieroglyphics. So this line here, Tampa Bay at home, minus seven. Let's take a look. Uh, it opened up four and a half, moved all the way to seven. So that's always fun. Uh, 45 and a half is your total. Moved down to 43, 42 and a half, some shops. Um, I would guess Herbert is playing chat. Maybe you can tell me. Uh, is Herbert starting here, or, or are they moving back to Tyrod? I would guess Herbert's plan. So I'm gonna I'm gonna begin this handicap
1: with the idea that uh, Herbert's plan. So make sure to correct me um, if not. Now, same deal
0: with the travel. I haven't heard anything otherwise. Okay, okay. So we're gonna, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and act like Justin Herbert's plan. So. The same deal with Seattle, where Seattle's traveling, you know, big-time road travel. Same deal with, with uh, the Chargers. Chargers are going from West Coast down into Tampa. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be humid. going to be hot. All that stuff. If you're looking at the Chargers, I think a lot of people are still holding on to that game against Kansas City and acting like the Chargers are on the up-and-up, right? I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm not sure if that's if that's true. I think the Chargers are pretty mediocre, uh, and the Chargers haven't done much to impress me for at all, really. Seven is a ton to to take with Tampa, especially with those injuries. And a Tampa team that, you know, we've talked about how Tom Brady is not Tom Brady. Like, just because just cause you see Tom Brady doesn't all of a sudden mean, oh, well, this team has a good offense. I'm not so sure if Tampa Bay has a good offense. And with these injuries, getting that much separation— I'm not sure about this. I think it's another one of those games if you're looking at the under. Just like we talked about with Colts Bears. If Tampa wins this game, I don't see them winning what, thir- you know, 35 to 14 or something like that. I don't see I don't see them as blowing out the Chargers. The way I would see them winning this game is just kind of stifling the Chargers. I could see this game being much closer to like the 28 to 10, somewhere in there where Tampa Bay does their stuff. And the Chargers just can't get going. Tampa Bay has a really good defense. They have a really good defense, specifically a run defense. You've got a great defense. And the Chargers last game, they played Carolina, right? Yeah, they they scored 16 points. So if you look at what the Chargers have done this season, you're talking about they scored 16, then they scored 20, then they scored 16. And that's against the Chiefs, don't have a great defense. Panthers, whose defense is nowhere near the Bucks and the Bengals, who have the worst defense. So I've got a team that is not is not scoring. They just, bottom line, are not scoring. I have Tampa Bay, who that's their specialty. Their specialty is to not let teams score. So I'm looking at the under here. If I absolutely had to, I would take Tampa Bay. Gun to my head, just because I'm not sure. That would be my prediction for this score, is you know, 20, 21, 24, somewhere in there. Um, the 10 going to chat here. We, we do not, we being the Bengals do not have the worst defense bottom tier. Yes. Worst. No. Yeah. When I say worst, I mean like bottom five, you know, if you're in the bottom five of defenses, you're, you're to me, you're like the worst. You're one of the worst defenses. So I would say the Bengals are in that interchangeable bottom tier of, uh, of defenses. So, yeah, if they're not technically thirty two, whatever. If they're twenty nine, I don't really care. They they all might as well be just total shit, total garbage, bad. So uh so yeah, I would if I was if I had to, I'd take the Bucks here. I more than likely may have may have some some money on the under. Uh I do not have a ticket currently on this game, but I think the Chargers are 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 getting away with a narrative where people think Herbert is kind of a gunslinging badass who's lighting that ass up. The Chargers played the Chiefs pretty well, but if you look at their numbers, that didn't really add up at all.
1: do not really add up at all to me. All right, next game, Ravens, Washington. What? Jesus,
0: look at this line. Washington, or uh, Baltimore, is opened up At minus 12. It's moved to minus 14. The total opened at 52. A heavy ass total.
1: Moved all the way down to 45 and a half. This is tough, man. So I'm not taking
0: 14. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not taking I'm not I'm not taking 14. Just not happening. So Gun to my head. I'm telling you right now, i take Washington plus 14. I love Ron Rivera every single week. I talk about Ron Rivera. I talk about how organized the team is, how, you know, from a coaching perspective, how big of a difference he is from last year. Ron Rivera, I, I, I don't know the trend, but I want to say Ron Rivera as a home dog is pretty good, especially a home dog like seven points or more. So giving Ron Rivera and this team 14 points, I think it's a lot. Now, here, here's why I think Baltimore could cover this. Baltimore is one of those teams where they don't really have an off switch. If, if you told me that Baltimore just runs the football the whole game, that doesn't mean the game's close. That's what they want to do. right? So if Baltimore gets up, Baltimore is one of those teams where they never really get away from what they're best at because if the game gets big-time separation— them running is one of the worst things that can happen to you. You know what I mean? Like that's one of the worst things that can happen. Baltimore's going to be hungry. Yeah, Baltimore's going to be hungry. Baltimore is going to want. He's going to want to make a statement. Lamar Jackson is going to want to make a statement. John Haller is going to want to make a statement. So all that, totally understand, totally get that. But fourteen points is just so many points to give to a team that I would say that you know I respect as far as the coaching and as far as the organizational structure and all that stuff and they're at home so you got the ravens who yes baltimore is hungry yes baltimore is going to want to make a statement but they did just play the chiefs you know so now they play the chiefs got their ass kicked got to turn right back around go to washington play on the road bit of a letdown spot as far as who they're playing like to go from kansas city highest level of excitement right highest level of I want to win this game, to Washington, where, yes, they may be motivated to do better, but as far as, like, motivated to play Washington, motivated to play Dwayne Haskins and all that stuff, I think that that's just a natural thing to to be giving a little bit less. You know, when, when, when Patrick Mahomes is lined up against you and Dwayne Haskins is lined up against you, I think there's a big difference. So, I think that's why the number is what it is, is people... Understand that Baltimore wants to get after him. That Baltimore wants to uh, make a statement. But I think just the human level is going to pull that back a little, baby bit. So fourteen is a little bit rich for my blood. I mean, you're talking about like if this was in Baltimore, this is like a like a twenty point line. And if this is in Baltimore, this is a historic, a historically large line. And uh, I don't think that's the case. I don't think. I don't think this is a historically separate team where washington is the worst team in the league baltimore is the best team in the league and anything like that so there's no possible way i could give i could be okay with taking baltimore on the road for two touchdowns or more it's just not gonna happen i mean there's just no way i, I understand if somebody told me hey man i took baltimore it's like okay you know i get it whatever i get it but as far as as far as my money as far as my tickets there's no way I could go in here and be like, "Yep, sure." This sounds like this sounds like I'm getting the best of this number. So no thanks. I know it's hard to say right now, but also when you're playing numbers like this, you want a team like Washington. If you're betting against them, you want them to be where they give up turnovers and stuff. You you want you want to be facing someone like uh, like Tampa Bay was with Jeff Driscoll, where he could fumble, he could do this, he could give short fields, whatever. This season's been a little bit different for Haskins, but if you go back to last season, I think he is relatively safe with the ball. I don't think he turns the ball over as much as someone like Daniel Jones. So that kind of stuff where, what's Washington want to do? Washington's going to want to grind the game out, slow the game down, and not let ha- They're not like Cincinnati, where Haskins is going to throw it 60 times. With that kind of stuff, combined with Baltimore wanting to run the ball themselves, that's a pretty fast clock. And... Two teams that are gonna grind the game out, uh, that's that's also more difficult to get separation. If you're if you're betting Washington, you basically need like a touchdown. You basically need one or two touchdowns and you're good. So this, this is a huge, huge line. Next up Arizona and Carolina. Another game where Arizona's traveling a long way away. Arizona is minus
1: three. Arizona's minus three. Let's take a look at Vegas insider. Arizona opened up minus three and a half. Uh, You you can find both numbers, three and a half and three.
0: Over under was 51, and it stayed pretty much at 51. So Arizona was everyone's darling. I mean, we had them in like the top six or seven, something like that in our power rankings. Arizona was everyone's darling, and they got a little bit of a rough loss against Detroit. And I think people are slowing down a little bit on Arizona's time is now. I think people are, are coming a little bit more down to earth with that. Now, Carolina.
1: Carolina is definitely a team where... A team where... They're just... They're... I, we've
0: talked about Carolina and, and their future and how uh, I like Matt Rule. I think David Tepper is an owner who would do progressive things. Uh, but you have Teddy Bridgewater. You have no Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is as important as a player as you gets, specifically to this team. Let's look. At, let's look at Carolina. So... Carolina beat the Chargers last week. Good win. Fine win. Lost to the Bucs, 31-17. Lost to the Raiders, 34-30. So they've been competitive. And they've certainly been competitive. We expect that. Teddy Bridgewater keeps teams in games. Uh, it's hard to lose games for teams when you throw for, what, f- five yards pass, something like that. So we know they'll be competitive. Okay. Now the question is, do we want to bet on Arizona, who's going across the country, And laying points. At home, you're looking at this almost being, you know, being over a touchdown favorite. Would you take Arizona minus seven, minus seven and a half at home in this spot? Probably not. Gun in my head, I'd probably take the Panthers. I don't feel good about this. I feel real bad
1: about this. I feel real bad about this. Let's check DVOA. Let's get DVOA pulled up because I want to see some things. So if we go to DVOA for this year, we got a pass defense. Where's Carolina? So this isn't good. So Carolina has one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL.
0: Arizona is going to be throwing the ball a lot. So now you're looking at a distinct matchup
1: advantage for Arizona. Hmm. Is that enough to swing this? Hmm. Is that enough? Is that enough to swing this play? While we're here, let's take a look at Panthers. I mean, uh, Arizona. So Arizona. Arizona is pretty good against the pass. Oh, wait. Yeah, they're pretty good against the pass. Pretty good against the run. Above average in both. an above average
0: defense.
1: Look at the offense. Carolina can't be that good. Pass offense. Carolina's mm,
0: middle of the road-ish. Middle of the road, somewhere in there. Bottom, middle of the road. Slightly below average on passing offense. Rushing offense.
1: They are... Like bank uh, slightly above average. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the mass
0: matchup advantages, I think all the matchup advantages go to Arizona, but like I said, you're looking at this line, it's like where is the value? Are you getting that value? Is it enough? You probably do get the situational spot where Arizona's coming off of a loss. That's not happy, you know. Maybe they were getting a little too fat, being undefeated, maybe listening a little bit too a little bit too too much to the news saying Arizona's next. Arizona's got got this. Arizona's got that. Let's see. Let's see what something else that's going to be important here is. If we go to Carolina, if we go to their. Let's see, go to defensive line here. Let's try. Let's try and see how they go. How they do against the quarterback. Uh, stats in blue represent
1: pass rush teams are ranked according to adjusted sack rate. Okay. Where's Carolina? If Carolina's really low,
0: so Carolina's like 20th in the NFL as far as adjusted sack rate. They're last in the NFL in sacks. So that means they don't get after the the quarterback very well. Man, I might flip flip this. Because if they allow Kyler Murray to run the ball all over the place, if they can't contain Kyler Murray, if they can't stop the pass, this could get ugly. But I think it's built into it. I, I just don't see the value. I don't see the value in taking this. I think, I think I'm going to switch to where gun to my head. I think gun to my head, I would take Arizona. But I'm going to lay off the game. Just the matchup advantages swung me enough to lean Arizona here. But I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it. Just strictly looking at DVOA. Let's go to chat here. Uh, we have some picks from chat. Pats plus seven. cars minus three. Indy minus two and a half. Bills minus three. Off of the last performance by Kyler in that offense, I think they win, bounce back. Kyler, three picks against Detroit is a red flag. That's exactly why I'm picking them. He ain't happy. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, like, you lose games in the NFL if you're going to throw three picks or more. That's for sure. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think DVOA has moved me a little bit on Arizona as far as the lean. So I guess I'll lean Arizona minus three, but that's a hefty number on the road, especially traveling that far early game. Last early game, Oh, these two teams. The Vikings and the Giants.
1: Uh, let's see. It opened up at... Can't even find the game. Why can't I not find the game here? Oh, wait.
0: Like, oh, that's right, because it's, uh, it's Giants-Rams. I don't know why I said Vikings. Giants-Rams. Yeah, the... Uh, okay, I was, looking, I was looking at Vikings-Texans. Okay, Vikings-Texans.
1: The Vikings-Texans. Is it, was this game... Is this game still on the board, or do they suspend this game as well? Because I know the Tennessee game got moved. How the food cabin the Vikings
0: tested positive for coronavirus? I guess uh, I guess it's hard to get it on the field. It's there. I just, okay, here, here it is. Okay. All right, so Houston opened minus four. They moved to minus three and a half in some spots, minus four. You can get both numbers. Uh, over under 49 and a half,
1: moved to 53 and a half and 54. That's a huge move in the over under. So we got Vikings-Texans. We all This
0: is two 0-3 teams. Two teams that certainly want to win. Uh, The Vikings just played a really tough game. Just lost. Feels bad, man. Houston's at home. Houston's played a tough schedule. Houston's played a really tough schedule. You're talking about the Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers. I mean, is this the toughest schedule so far in the NFL? They've lost to the Chiefs 34-20. Loss to the Ravens, 33-16. Loss to the Steelers, 28-21. So competitive in all those games, eh. I say competitive. They really weren't competitive against the Chiefs. They really weren't competitive against the Ravens. Uh, I guess they didn't. Competitive against the Steelers, but... I mean, it doesn't doesn't get any harder. I mean, that's just so tough. I'll tell you this. I am always anti-Houston because I think Houston is one of the worst coach teams in the nfl one of the worst rosters in the nfl but because they have deshaun watson i think that smooths over it so when i'm looking at one of those teams that's that bad in my eyes and it's like all right man hey give another team four points like i don't know about that that doesn't sit well you know now on the flip side we know minnesota's bad we know that is this game being played on sunday it says it, it. says it is. So this game's not threatened to be moved at all. But they mispracticed, right? Minnesota was being quarantined. <sighs> these, these are so hard to do when there's so many variables like this. We don't know anything about COVID. We don't know about how they were quarantined. We don't know how anything was happening. So not now because the Vikings didn't test positive. Right, so the game isn't moved. But Minnesota was quarantined, correct? Like Minnesota couldn't practice for a few days or whatever. I'm guessing it had to be. If that's the case, for a couple days, okay. If that's the case, I think the only play here is Houston. I'll tell you why. Everyone that's been listening to the show knows that Kirk Cousins is a total sociopathic lunatic who has a very specific schedule, he has to play in a certain corridor. He has to do his certain agenda. He has to have everything the exact same way. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time at just the noon slot. If you only look at Kirk Cousins at noon, he has like a 65% win rate or win percentage, which is up there with the Tom Brady's of the world. If you look at him in every other time slot, he's got like a 35% win rate, which means he's one of the worst quarterbacks of all time. And that's because he is a creature of habit. This is something that, Uh, Jonas Knox out in Vegas, he discovered, this is a trend that he discovered, uh, that Cousins likes routine. Cousins is a big routine guy. Talked about that on the show, that that's why Vikings are struggling, because Cousins is missing all of his pieces. He's missing the people who have been there, so he's off of his routine. What is more off of your routine than missing multiple days of practice, multiple games of prep, because of a COVID quarantine situation, and then you're traveling to Houston? So you're missing even more prep. So more than likely, you're getting Minnesota with close to zero prep time for Houston. That's a huge advantage. So just for that reason alone, I think you take Houston here. Minus four is a lot that's telling you that Houston is the better team, like clearly the better team on a neutral field. This is probably Houston minus two, minus one and a half, somewhere in there. So I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but with the COVID stuff thrown in there, I think the only play is Houston. Next game. I think we're done with the noon slot. Yeah. We're done with the noon slot here. So the next game is Giants-Rams in L.A. Now, I know I talk about the West Coast teams going East Coast all the time. It's much easier to go East to West. So that's not that big of a deal. So if you're looking at the travel and saying, why am I not talking about the Giants going from New York to L.A.? when I make such a big deal about teams going from California to the East Coast, it's because just on the body, just in general, easier to go out West. So with that being said, the Giants suck ass. The Giants are absolutely garbo. They're total trash. Daniel Jones is not an NFL quarterback. They're missing Sterling Shepard. They're missing Saquon Barkley. This team is ass, okay? This team's terrible. Now you look at the Rams. Rams playing at home. Rams have been playing pretty good. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they play the Cowboys, beat them, play the Eagles, beat them, play the Bills very closely. Now, the problem with that is they played the Bills in a, one of probably the most energy-expelling games that there is. They had to go from West Coast to East Coast, play early, come back, and then lose at the last second against the Bills. So they're deflated, they're upset, uh, You know, they're undefeated, now they're not. So are they motivated, or are they still down in the dumps that's something you got to think about that is not a good thing to be thinking about when you're also laying 13 Fukin points game opened up at nine blew through a key number of 10 and we're now sitting at 13 can you take that prob's not just like with the baltimore thing you know can you take 13 more than likely no so i wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole I do think the Giants suck out loud, um, but the number there's just no value in the number. And what I'm trying to do here is explain the value, you know, do all that kind of stuff. I I, I don't think there's anything near value here to take the Rams over under 48. That's fine, whatever. So the Giants are a dumpster fire. The Giants are a dumpster fire. I think they move off of Daniel Jones pretty soon here. Then the Rams take care of business. We've said before. Jared Goff can absolutely gash teams that are that let him do whatever they want him to do. If we look at the Giants, the Giants have a de- decent pass rush. Rel- yeah, they're 7th in adjusted uh, sack rate, and they're 7th in sacks. They're, I mean, they're not bad at all for a pass rush, and that's something that Jared Goff struggles with. He likes to do the play actions. He likes to set up. So, you know, that's something that is a bit of an edge, I guess, for the Giants. But 13 points is too
1: much. I'm staying off this game. Going to my head, I would take the Giants. Pats-Chiefs! All right, so the Pats opened up at
0: 8. It's moved to 7. Over-under, opened at 53.5, moved to 53. I would take the Patriots here. I kind of like the Patriots here. I think the Chiefs are coming off of their Super Bowl win. The Chiefs are coming off of the Ravens Monday night. Huge win. Big time statement game. Now they gotta play the Patriots. For the Chiefs, this is a game. For the Patriots, this is their Super Bowl. Okay. Belichick foaming at the mouth to get to, um, to get to the Chiefs here. Belichick on extra on a you know, he's got more rest. The Chiefs play Monday night. The Patriots did not. So you're talking about a day of rest. Now the Patriots did have to travel, so that might be kinda you know, kinda washed out that they had to travel and you know, the Chiefs played an extra day, so maybe that's not that big of a deal. Cam Newton, this is another thing. Cam Newton's playing with a chip on his shoulder, Cam Newton is playing really well, Cam Newton wants to make a statement game. This is his Super Bowl. So I think motivation wise, you get the motivation edge with the Patriots. Coaching wise, if there is one coach that can schematically stop Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I say stop let's just say limit, systematically limit the Chiefs, it would be Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick getting seven points, I'm always going to take, even if it is on the road. I think if you're looking at this Patriots team, they're probably the second or third best team in the AFC. So if you have the second or third best team in the AFC playing better than they did last year, max motivated, absolute highest spot possible of motivation. I like that. I like that idea. And the Chiefs, again, I think the Chiefs are amazing. I think you can already write their name on the Super Bowl trophy this year. Chiefs, I mean, it's hard to get any better than that. But coming off of the Baltimore game, walking into New England, maybe a little bit of a bad spot. I'm taking New England here. Minus seven. This will be one of my five picks. I don't have money on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if I did come game time. Especially if it moved to seven and a half, I'd be all over it. But give me the Patriots here. I think the Chiefs win, but I think it's a, I think it's a game. Let's just take a look for funsies at uh, the the sack rate right here for Kansas City. So Kansas City does not get after the quarterback well. Okay, they don't get after the quarterback very well. Let's look at the pass defense for the for the Patriots. I want to say
1: the pass defense is pretty good. I think the Patriots pretty decent. They are actually actually bad. They're, the pass defense of the Patriots is bad. Uh,
0: they're bottom six-ish right now in the NFL. Uh, who have they played? Oh, the Dolphins? Oh, the Seahawks. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. If you play the Seahawks, if you have played the Seahawks in the first three games, you're going to be in the bottom six or seven because Russell Wilson lit you up. Let's look at the Seahawks just to, just to prove this. So the Falcons, Patriots, and Cowboys – Let's see where the pa- let's see where these guys are in the pass uh defense category. Uh let's see. So New England, way down here. One, two, three, four, five, sixth. Then you have Miami down here, and then you have Dallas right here. So uh not not Miami. I'm talking about Atlanta. And Atlanta's right here. So yeah. So if you play Seattle, the the stats are gonna be a little bit skewed. But I think New England's pass defense, if we're looking
1: at it from last year. Let's look at it from last. So if you look at it from last year, they had the best pass defense last year. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think you fall that far off one way or the other. So I think that matchup
0: edge a little bit of Kansas City not being great at getting after the quarterback with a very mobile quarterback and a good pass defense against a team that wants to pass. All that together, Patriots plus seven. Next up, Bills Raiders. This is one of my games of the week. I have a ticket on this game. I like this game. It'll be one of the games I give to you. The Buffalo Bills, minus three. I love this game. So the Buffalo Bills open up at minus two and a half, is moved to minus three. Most places now, minus three and a half. I think this will move closer to Buffalo when the time gets there. Over-under is 49.5. That's moved to 52.5. So here's the deal: I'm going to give you a really succinct. Handicap. The Raiders have no wide receivers. The Raiders are hurt. The Raiders are busted up. Let's look at the injuries. Uh, They... Wide receivers, everyone's hurt. Every wide receiver is hurt that they have. This injury list right here is awful to look at. But they do not have a wide receiver right now. Every one of their wide receivers is missing. Okay, this is a little easier. Rico Gafford, out. Brian Edwards, out. Uh Henry Ruggs out. The only person they have, Tyra Williams out. The only person they have is Hunter Renfro. So Hunter Renfro is the is the Raiders' number one wide receiver right now. That kind of that kind of cluster injury is a really big deal. Because now you're talking about the Bills, who are one of the best teams in the NFL. And the Raiders are supposed to keep pace with them somehow even though they have no wide receivers. They have no one. And Darren Waller's banged up. So even though they have Darren Waller, who's probably the best tight end in the NFL next to Travis Kelsey, he's banged up. So how the hell are they going to score? How are they going to score? I don't think they're going to. Now here's another thing with the Bills. The Bills, I believe, are underrated because this schedule right here. The Jets and the Dolphins. No one on the planet watched these two games. And then the Rams. That wasn't on national TV. And they barely won, right? Even though they were dominating the game for the majority of the game. So you have the nation is probably tuned out to how good Buffalo is. And what what did the nation see with the with the Raiders? The last time the Raiders were on TV, they were kicking ass. They beat the shit out of the Saints in in uh in Vegas. Okay? So now you got, oh wow, they're back in Vegas. Wow, they're playing back in Vegas. Last time they were there, they dominated the Saints. Oh wow, and they're getting oh and they're getting three points. I love that. And then Buffalo's going to come in there and beat the holy hell out of them.
1: Let's look at uh, let's look at some defense, huh? Let's look at, let's look at some DVOA. Hmm. So the Raiders have the worst rush defense in the NFL right now, as far as
0: this year so far.
1: That sounds pretty bad against a uh,
0: against a Buffalo team that can run the football with Josh Allen all over the damn shop. Let's see about the Raiders' pass defense. Mm, pretty much bang average. Maybe a little bit below average, but right there. So they have a poor defense against Josh Allen and an offense that's putting up points for fun. They have no wide receivers. I think this is, this is like I said, I have a ticket on this at three. I would advise you to go ahead and get a ticket on it now. If you're going to make this bet, get it at three, because it's going to move to three and a half when it gets closer to game time. Love this pick. I have this pick. It's one of my five picks. Go, Bills, go. Let's go. Sunday night, Eagles, Niners. Frisco, at home, minus seven.
1: Game opened up three and has moved all the way to seven. I would take Philadelphia here.
0: This might be one of my five picks. I think Philly is one of those teams where... Their backs are certainly against the wall. Their backs are certainly motivation edge. The Eagles have to be max motivated in this game. Sunday night, prime time, you're getting Carson Wentz. You're probably getting the better quarterback. You're getting a hurt 49ers team. We know how hurt they are. Now we know that the difference between Mullins and Garoppolo is pretty low, so it's not that big of a deal, but a a hurt defensive line, a hurt secondary, All that stuff adds up. Eagles want this game more. Quarterback's playing for his job. Coach playing for his job. And I'll say this about Wentz. So we know Wentz is, or can be, an MVP. We know he's played like an MVP in his career, right? Do you think this is going to hold up through three games? He has three touchdowns and six interceptions. Do you think he's going to throw for 30, 34 interceptions this year? I don't think so. So this has to get better. So Wentz has to play better. Let's say Wentz plays better. Because he's got to. Bottom line, he has to. Are they that, or, or, or is, is a busted up Frisco that much better that you're willing to give up seven points to Philadelphia? I say no. I like the Eagles here. I don't have a ticket on them yet. I could by the time Sunday rolls around. This Now I'll tell you this. This line is steaming. Okay, it's moved all the way from three to seven. So I'd take, i I'd, I'd wait, I'd wait a bit. I'd watch the line. I'd take a look at this and see if if the money was moving to where you thought eh, it may move to seven and a half. And that's an incredible bet for Philly. This would be a good teaser game if you're looking at teasers. You know, getting Philly up uh, almost two touchdowns that would all be nice. So I'm I'm taking Philly here because I don't think they're as bad as they might look, and I certainly don't think Carson Wentz is as bad as he's played. And Frisco, even though they had a great game against the Giants, it was the Giants. The Giants suck. Everyone saw Nick Mullins throw for 350 yards. Everyone think Nick Mullins is the man. He came from my alma mater, the University of Southern Mississippi. He might be the man, but he's not the man to be giving up seven points in primetime just yet. Give me Philly. Let's go, baby. Last game on the slate. Atlanta against Green Bay. Monday Night Football. Opened up five. Right now, across the board, Green Bay, minus seven. Total opened up 57.5. It is now 56.5. I'm going to tell you right now, I like Atlanta. I'm going to tell you right now. Now, you might be saying, James, are you outside of your mind? I might be. Green Bay, what do we know about Green Bay? What do we actually know about Green Bay? We know they have a below average pass defense. We know they have a bad rush defense. We know they've played the Lions who suck. They play the Vikings, who suck, and they played the Saints. Good win there. We'll give them that, okay? So we've got a Green Bay team who's 3-0. People are thinking that Aaron Rodgers is MVP Aaron Rodgers. People are thinking that this team is 13-3 last year. This team's got Super Bowl aspirations, and what have they seen Atlanta do? Atlanta's just been barfing all over their shoes every single week. Motivation spot? Atlanta's got to be max motivated, absolutely max motivated. Now, here's the only issue. They're playing at Green Bay. Green Bay is one of the only home fields right now that has an actual advantage because they have a very different grassy surface. It's a very slick turf. Atlanta plays indoors. So, all of a sudden, Atlanta's playing outside at nighttime in Green Bay on an unfamiliar surface. That is a big deal. Atlanta is not good. I don't have to tell you guys that. Atlanta's, Atlanta's not good at all. Atlanta's got a below average uh, pass defense. They've got a below average run defense. So, you know, you're not not exactly betting on a ton here, but I think generally you want to fade teams that do well on Monday night and back teams who lose on Monday night. So that also helps us with Green Bay here. The only thing is we could be getting in front of a bit of a freight train. If Green Bay is just cooking... If Green Bay just has the just has it, and Atlanta is completely dead, then we might be in a bad spot here. Now it's hard to be completely dead on Monday Night Football. I think that's one of those spots where you don't see too many teams just quit because it's Monday Night Football, you know. So that this might be the last game that we can bet on Atlanta because if they just get slaughtered here, or even if they lose here, even if they lose by six, they're probably done. You know, they're probably going to pack it in for the season, starting zero and four. Then you probably start fading them until Quinn gets fired or whatever. So give me Atlanta. Uh give me the team fighting for their life. Give give me the team. We're fading Monday Night Football. Let's go. I think Green Bay regresses a bit. I don't think they're a 16 and 0 type team. So let's catch this little uh this little this little medium area where Atlanta might get a little bit better, Green Bay might get a little bit worse. So feels good, man. Let's now take our five games. First two games guaranteed, I already have them. Jacksonville plus 3 and uh the Buffalo minus 3. Now let's find the remaining 3 games. Give me
1: Philly, give me New England, give me give me oh, Let's see here. So I've got Philly I've got New England. You know what? For my fifth game, hmm. for my fifth game here, give me Atlanta. Let's do it.
0: Atlanta, Philly, Buffalo, Jacksonville, New England. That's my five picks this week. Like I said, have money. On Jacksonville and Buffalo, two very substantial bets. So we need that in real life. And if I have any more tickets, you'll be the first to know on Twitter. That is my week four NFL preview right there at Twitch chat. Going to chat right now. All right. So I just found out that Atkins, Daniels, Wilson, and Alexander are out for Cincy. LOL. Less confident now. I would bet the over. Boom, boom. Skittle up, pop, pop. There you go. Injury information from Cincinnati. Guys, thank you very much for listening to the NFL show, for watching the NFL show, the preview show. Enjoy the NFL slate this weekend. We'll be back live on Twitch on Tuesday morning, breaking down everything that we saw in the slate of games. Yes, son.
1: Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah.